Good afternoon to everybody. Welcome to Talent and Growth and welcome back to uh, a live webinar roundtable type thing, which we will also, of course, be uh, putting out as a podcast. So thank you to the listeners who are catching up on that. Um, and today we are talking about uh, the all important candidate experience. And we know uh, rightly so over the last few years, this has become such a, a big piece on the agenda uh, for talent acquisition teams, um, making sure that people coming through hiring processes have a great impression of you as a business um, and, you know, come out hopefully wanting to work work for you, whether, whether they got the job or not. And, uh, there are lots of steps along that way to make sure that journey for them is a good one. And so we're going to talk about that today and hopefully come up with some um, some ideas around uh, what we can all do to make our candidate experience a little bit better. Um, so I'd like to introduce, we'll get my guests to introduce themselves. So um, Carmen, um, if you wouldn't mind just kicking off um, and telling us who you are and what you do, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, my name is Carmen and I'm the Talent Acquisition Manager at Atom Learning. Um, Atom Learning is an edtech company and our mission is to democratize education. We use machine learning and a visually engaging tech platform to bring a fun, high quality and personalized learning experience into every child's home, regardless of their background. To achieve our goal, um, we're combining exceptional teacher-made content with cutting edge technology. Um, last year, we scaled up. So I personally joined Atom in September, 2021. When I joined, we were around 70 employees, and now we are around 130. So you can imagine how much we learned in the past years um, in terms of candidate experience. And I should point out that Carmen is so passionate about candidate experience that she is doing this from Lisbon on her holiday because she just couldn't uh, couldn't uh, couldn't miss it. Uh, so thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, Nuria, would you mind? Uh, well, welcome back to our webinar series. Thank you. Please introduce yourself and who you are and what you do. Sure. Thank you for having me again, Paul. So um, for those who didn't like uh, were attending the last time, so my name is Nuria. I'm talent acquisition manager currently at Spacelift. So we're a full remote Polish American tech startup. So we're a CICD platform, very techie and SaaS product for developers. Um, I've been working in recruitment for the past eight years, uh, mostly between London and Paris, where I'm based right now. And I have a, a mixed experience both in agency and in-house mostly across different industries. And my main focus in the past uh, years has been within the tech scene, uh, mostly in startups around e-commerce, fintech, SaaS, uh, recruiting international talent um, in corporate functions, and a little bit of tech, uh, mostly across um, EMEA and the US regions. Amazing. Thanks, Nuria. So we have Carmen in Lisbon, we've got Nuria in Paris, and of course we've got Lauren all the way from sunny Glasgow. How are you, Lauren? And could you give us a little intro? Sure. Thanks, Paul. Hi, everyone. Yes, joining us from Glasgow, so not quite as exotic as my co-hosts. Um, my name's Lauren. I'm People and Culture Manager for a digital startup called Flow. Um, we have um, been scaling up as well, so lots of focus on the candidate experience. Before that role, I worked in agency recruitment for a couple of years, which I loved. Then I crossed over to the dark side and did uh, internal recruitment and my last couple of roles have now been much broader. So I've always believed that if you have a great company, great candidates will come and work there as long as you obviously can nail that candidate experience as well. So now I look after all aspects of the employee experience, everything from recruitment, HR, learning development, uh, reward, benefits, well-being and engagement. So definitely keeps me busy. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lauren. And Lauren, let, let, let's stay with you and kick off this then. So um, let's just ask you, first of all, what, what, what does good candidate experience mean to you? What, what's, what's the fundamentals when you think of that? 
So for me, there's there's two kind of key elements there. The first part is transparency. So I think that empowering the candidates to really understand what your process is, give them loads of signposting, all the information they need to be able to perform well and give a good impression at the interview. And the second part that I think sometimes we don't focus on so much is their comfort. So how can we ensure that our interviewer recruitment process is designed around what's going to let them really feel comfortable and feel that they can, you know, give themselves a, a great shot at at getting the job but also do so without some of the anxiety and some of the angst that can sometimes come with with that recruitment process so those two elements are always what I place a lot of focus on. Absolutely thank you what about you Carmen? Um, I agree 100% with Lauren and I think uh, as well um, it's really important to have like hiring managers alike and talent acquisition aligned um, um, what I found in uh, um, in my career is that when uh, a role is hard to fill, there is no role that is hard to fill. There is just like alignment is, is not there. So it's to have a, a talent acquisition, a talent acquisition, and hiring managers align in terms of hard skills, what we're looking for in a candidate, but as well soft skills. Um, and uh, um, for me. Um, communication is key as well so um having the candidate like um, keep, keeping the candidate in the loop with you know what's happening um and give them um time frame as well on when they can hear from us i know that it's not always easy you know like people go on holiday you know something happens i know that you know that's a possibility but just keep the cam- the candidates informed i think that's that's key for me yeah and i think it's a really important point because um, I have delivered negative feedback before and it's not gone down so well, but very rarely, most of the time people just appreciate you coming back to them and they take it, you know, take it, you know, however, however it is, uh, but not hearing something um, and not people not coming back to you is, is often the worst thing. I actually did see a study around how, um, it, you know, it actually negatively affects people's mental health, just not hearing or being left in limbo. Um, and there's a lot of data around that. Um, but cool. Thank you very much. Colin. And, and, and Nuri, anything to add? Well, I mean, yeah, I think uh, like they raise very important points about like, uh, yeah, communication and transparency and keeping trying to keep a, a timeline. But for me, yeah, I mean, I think good candidate experience goes from like anything, like any interaction that a candidate or potential candidate will have. So like from running a um, diverse and inclusive ads, so any information they can find on the on the career website and any interaction with anyone in the business they will have, starting from like talent acquisition to hiring managers, peer interviews, or if they happen like uh, going to an office and meeting um, anyone on the front desk. So that is all like candidate experience. Of course, we do. We are owners of of this process, and we we try to just like always like babysit them through all of it. But um, everyone is involved. So for me. Um, yeah we're all ambassadors and we all have to keep uh, like uh, make it like our mission to keep a good candidate experience yeah absolutely and i think it's worth noting that you know this is this is the responsibility of the whole business and Neil needs to kind of filter through the whole way, right? It's all good. Talent acquisition can give a great uh, experience, but then if it doesn't work the high managers, then, then it's not going to work overall. And I was going to ask next, really, what if anyone had any um, examples of bad candidate experience? And I'll, I'll kick this off a little bit um, because I certainly gave plenty of people a bad experience when I was working on an agency side as a manager. Um, and this is, you know, we're talking seven or eight years ago um, where the concept for me as a, as a hirer was to make the um, person we were interviewing as uncomfortable as possible and see how they handled the pressure and that was quite normal in agency I don't know if it's I'd imagine it still happens at some some agency um, but it was really looking to see how people would would handle pressure um, and whether they would respond well to it and if they didn't then they weren't right for my business now looking back on that 
I think, God, I probably let a lot of good people um, catch me out of me. Uh, a lot of good people um, fall through there. Not to mention, probably, you know, gave people an unpleasant experience. It actually makes me feel quite bad. It's just it's what, what I was taught, what I knew, and, and what I did. Um, and I now see that actually that we really need to make sure we're giving people as good a platform as ever so they can be the best version of themselves and it, and, and different, you know, different people need different things. Um, so there's lots, lots to talk about there, but has anyone got, um, Nuria, have you got an example of a bad candidate experience? Maybe you experienced yourself. But I actually I always say that in interviews and it's true because um, I had a background in tourism and customer service. So I, I worked in hospitality for many years until and it's a very especially in Spain when I started my career, it was a very like uh, just like a like short term contract. So I was constantly interviewing until one day I just got fed up, especially after having like so horrible candidate experience so I just did so that was like actually the main reason why I became a recruiter because after like experiencing that myself I was like well I'm sure I, I mean I can do better it's not you know like it's, you don't need to be like super trained you just need to be human actually um, and, and I've been in the other end for some I don't know how many interviews I've done in my life so um, so yeah that was actually the main reason why I decided to get to become a recruiter I did that when I moved to London about eight years ago so and, I, and it was good that I had the opportunity to do it uh, but yeah and, and obviously I'm human I'm, I have um, I just just last week I was just feeling a bit under the weather I was thinking like what the hell was like this interview that I did uh, you know sometimes we're human I mean some days uh, you know like you you're brain is completely spaced out but I try to yeah I try to be honest with the candidates and speaking of what you're saying like a setting a good environment I always say like this this is this is a call be comfortable and me too is you know like I just want this to be like a very chill conversation especially when it's an intro call or a phone screening and it's different when you do more like a, a thorough job for evaluating other skills um so yeah I'm sure that there are a lot of people think that you know like I, I let them down for some reasons and and I know that in the other hand I had like a amazing candidates that were like super grateful after the experience they have with me sometimes we do speak with so many people it's like it's difficult you don't want to get like too attached especially at the beginning because you don't know how far that's going to go and when it's getting narrow you can allow yourself to you know like get more attached to this person but yeah at the beginning when you're starting and you're just doing like phone screens I mean, you, you're like, yes, yes, no, yes, yes, no. And I know that a lot of candidates, even you give them like um, like feedback, they, they challenge you a lot. of like, I know, but you know, like this is not only up to me. I'm just like, a, I'm the messenger. I try to put up a good word, but at the end it's not up to me. So it's, uh, it's both ways. Do you, in terms of um, delivering feedback, will you, do you, or how do you usually communicate feedback? Let's say it's a negative, let's say it's a rejection for whatever reason. And is that, and does that change depending on the stage they've gone through? Yeah, exactly. And depending how many stages and how many effort they'll have to, let's say after my phone screen, I will probably send an email because I, I might have like a, a I don't know, like 30 calls every week. So I probably will send an email um, after, uh, yeah, after like a hiring manager. If I have very detailed, I try to email. It's true that not right now I don't have like a, um, how you say it, a work phone. So it's true that, but uh, yeah, usually if they met the hiring manager, I, will, I like to give them a, a phone call and just deliver like the, the news. Uh, yeah, and then obviously, and then try to give them as, as many thorough details as I can. But yeah, email, let's say when it's just like early stage, maybe, uh, right now, how we do it is short call with me, short call with the hiring manager. Up at this stage, I would just send a, a rejection email, but like a personalized, customized one, not just like the generic one. And then further they go in the process, then I'll definitely give them a phone call. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Lauren, any bad experiences for you you've, you've seen? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but just a point on Nuria's um, comments there. So I've got a bit of a golden rule when it comes to giving feedback that isn't always feasible, right? But I try and do, if the candidate's just submitted a CV application, just done something kind of early stages, written context, the feedback I will then do in a similar format, so an email back or, or something like that. However, I do feel quite strongly that if a candidate's taking time out their day to speak to someone, the feedback where possible should then also be verbal and a bit more, you know, two-way dialogue. So um, just, just a point on that. But in terms of bad experiences, I'll give you a high-level overview. So I had a, a job once and um, first stage was numerical and verbal reasoning. So if you're as bad at maths as I am, that already by itself is pretty tough. Um, then after that, I was asked to write four or 500-word essays in response to um, some questions. After that, it was a telephone screen. Uh, after that, it was a kind of panel style interview. Um, and then there was a practical task. And then there was to work for half a day, paid, thankfully, um, for this role. And for various reasons, that process is quite intense. Um, so I think for me, when we think about a bad experience, it's it's overkill. It's too many stages. It's so drawn out. It's a massive time commitment and effort commitment for a candidate. And unless it's, you know, maybe someone's dream job, I don't feel like we should be asking that of people. Um, so I think hiring managers or recruiters or whoever's involved should really focus on testing for what they need to test for, but not going so heavy handed with it that you kind of put people off. Yeah, really good points. And I think, yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, even if the experience itself is is fantastic, if there's ten stages to that fantastic experience, it's not gonna it's not gonna work, is it? And I think that comes back to I suppose at the beginning. And hiring managers sometimes think this is you know normal, depending on where they come from. You know, if you work in investment banks, you can often expect to go through anything between five to eight stages. You know, it, it just works like that. Um, so 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 that's the norm. But I think TA need to I suppose push back at the beginning when we're doing those briefings and qualifications to just to make sure that you know that. The, the the longer the, the process the the, the less the, the the less of an experience it is and actually i also saw some data around that it becomes less of an, ex an inclusive experience for uh, particularly for females who perhaps maybe you know have other commitments as well the more pro stages they can't attend so um yeah absolutely with you on that um carmen any uh negative uh experiences your end yeah definitely i think i feel like uh, um like quite like Nuria in the sense that I've been through, you know, from uni jobs, you know, like a part-time jobs to, you know, when you actually apply for your first job after um, after uni, it, the, it's unbelievable how I think it has changed now because uh, in the past like uh, three to four years, uh, um, the market is more candidate driven, uh, but a lot of, uh, um, yeah, initial stage interviews where I didn't hear back from the company. So I was like, should I wait? Should I apply for another job? And I think uh, the worst experience I had was actually for a graduate job um, for like a it's a huge company. And, you know, you would think that, you know, if it's a huge company, they have like a TA team that's like 10 people, you know, like they do take care of this kind of things. But they didn't so you know typical um graduate role where you have to do you know the cv and then your video presentation and then um the like a task and like i went to the task stage and i did not hear from them um and that was and again that was that's that wasn't me as well i'm being kind of like i'm not experienced enough you know just do not put all your eggs in one basket apply for more jobs but that was literally like my dream job back in the day so I uh, it was like a summer internship but it was like three months 
um, which I knew that was going to help me with my career so much. And it just like focused so much on, on that specific uh, um, job, on that specific recruitment process. The amount of prep that I did as well was like very, you know, was a lot. And I was, you know, managing uni and a part-time job as well. And not hearing from them, it was just like not, not okay. Um, so I always, uh, you know, I became a TA as well because I really want to I really want to give people like the best experience that I can um, clearly as Nuria said we all make mistakes you know like I'm pretty sure I did you know let um, candidates down you know potentially but at the same time I always do do my best um, and I think it's so important especially like giving like actionable feedback it's something that they can use in the next uh, you know in the next interviews they're gonna have with other companies because I feel like a lot of the times especially if you're not used to interviews you do things that you know if you if you're a talent acquisition you know person you know you know you don't do this in an interview this is just like a red flag but if you're not used to interview you can have you know all the right skills you can be like an amazing person but if you do not show that to the interviewer you know that's just it's not just going to work for you you have to to show it um so i always try to give like actionable feedback that they can you know all candidates can use in um in, the, in you know in the next interviews that they have with other companies yeah, 100%. And we've actually got uh, we've actually got a question that's come through from a friend of Talent and Growth, certainly, Laurie. So I'll just pop that on the screen. It's a great question. Um, interested to get get our views on this. So, Carmen, I'll stay with you for this. When do you think candidate experience actually finishes? Because, because as Laurie rightly points out, um, it kind of continues once the candidate's been hired. But where do we draw the line, I suppose, from a TA point of view? Um, I think uh, um, for me, I think it's because I've always worked in like startups and um, you know, there's like a very like blurred line in between like talent acquisition and like people and HR. I think that um, for me, onboarding is still like candidate experience. Um, the onboarding process has to be like very, very clear from the beginning before the candidates join, like the, the new joiner joins, so that they know exactly what their first week, first month is going to look like, um, set expectations with them. And then uh, we always um, ask feedback as well a month afterwards. Um, you know, how was the onboarding experience? And then I would say like from, you know, like uh, after like the first month, then it would be more like uh, up people and HR. But I would say the first month of a new joiner to me still a kind of experience. And do you have a check-in point with them uh, booked? Is that part correct. of the formal process? Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah. So we do the um, we do the um, the onboarding process, like the onboarding. Normally, it depends on the role, but it lasts like one to two weeks, and then like after a month, uh, we do the check-in on you know like how they're doing, you know, just like uh, trying to understand as well if the role that you know they um, they were expecting is actually what what it is on like on a day to day and then feedback as well on the onboarding i think onboarding is such an important part of um, an employee journey because it really sets the tone for you know potentially the future at at your company um the onboarding of follow, I think it's really, really good because we get um, we give all the new joiners the chance to meet all the different departments um, in in the company, so they have you know like a more holistic understanding of you know like how the company works. Um, but then uh, again, just like um, gather feedback because you know 
if you work in a, I don't know, if you're an engineer, maybe you don't really need to know a lot of the commercial side of things. So just gather feedback and try to tailor the onboarding, you know, for those specific roles. Yeah, understood. Yeah, and I, for me, uh, as an embedded partner, so one of the things I do with my one of my clients is, uh, yeah, after one month, we absolutely do a check-in. I'm not in, involved in the onboarding itself, but I do a check-in at the end of month one to see if the job is what they thought it was going to be. Um, and Did they enjoy the onboarding process? What could they change? That kind of thing. And for me, well, obviously, it's different because I'm not working directly with the business. But for me, I think that's useful because I'm separate from the business a little bit. I might be able to get more honest feedback than perhaps if I was in the company. Mm-hmm. I found that anyway. Um, but Lauren, what about you? What do you think to that in terms of the, uh, when, when does the candidate experience finish? So I've got a slightly different take on this. So completely agree that onboarding is still 100% part of that candidate experience. And I think the same rules apply. Transparency, information, signposting. Can they you know, understand why they're being asked to supply certain information? Do they know why you need that, when they need it by, how easy is it for them to submit, get their kit, all that kind of stuff. Um, but maybe more from my kind of HR point of view, the second that candidate is employed by the business, i.e. day one start date, I would say it then switches to employee experience, which is still, of course, important. Um, but from that point onward, I think that that's when the candidate experience ends and the employee experience starts. Um, however, 100%, you know, they should have a first week schedule, they should have opportunities to give feedback, they should you know, be checked in with to see was the job what you thought it was like and all that good stuff. So just slightly different cutoffs, I suppose. Yeah, that makes sense. Nui, what do you think? Yeah, totally agree. I think, uh, I mean, also depending on the business, you know, I had the business where like I was in charge of onboarding myself, so I will consider it like candidate. Uh, but yeah, uh, employee, obviously, the moment they sign out, it's, it's on your HIRS. I will consider it um, employee experience that has to be uh, as good as uh, an for me, it's just like part of the same process because I've seen it in the past as someone joining on a Monday and leaving on a Friday, just leaving their bed and their laptop because the onboarding was terrible. And for me, it's just like, I'm always like super involved with this process because but there's also like my legitimacy as a TA. Uh, you know, like you're also like a sales, even if you're in-house, you're part of like a sales, you're asking someone to leave their current job with a promise with something better. And not only the salary, um, and then it's just so crucial that the first weeks, especially you think everyone feels so fragile. The moment you're like, you, you put your resignation and, you know, like even if you have a contract signed that, you know, it like, can mean anything. And then and then you're joining and then you just feel like so alone. So for me, as I said, like everyone in the business have to get involved. Everyone is an ambassador. And if you see a new a new joiner that you just have to go and stop and say hi and introduce yourself. That's that's everyone's responsibility. And they're only also like HR because I mean we we see them, especially I see them a lot at the beginning and then like off you go. Um, but there's like so many questions that, that, that they have that I just cannot answer. That's like my colleagues in um, ops that usually have these kind of answers but so yeah you can call it whatever you want but it, it's crucial that for me maybe and then I keep that also of from like my agency days up until even like they pass probation period I just don't close the job in my mind because if that is that those three months are key and then that means that for me I will have to replace and you have to replace because it, you know we, we renew or this person decides to leave or we decide to like uh, cut off with this person then that means like we, we have a recruitment problem because i'm not going to do the same mistake twice so um so yeah i will say until the probation period is approved and passed i say like okay now it's fine you've had it drilled into on the agency side those dropouts and those clawbacks there's nothing worse is there so no i, I get it i absolutely get it um okay so no staying with you actually how so how do we 
there's a balance here because how do we balance being inclusive and fair? Um, so that could mean sticking to a matrix in terms of uh, interview questions or whatever, but, but while still delivering a human experience for the candidate, which actually may also need to be adaptable depending on the person's needs. How do we, how do we get that right? Uh, it's a tricky one, especially now I'm doing a lot of like tech roles where, you know, like there's not a lot of diversity. There's not a lot. So, um, I mean, I'm going to say it's complicated. So sometimes it's not that you want to push the agenda, but you have to, because otherwise it's just very difficult to put like, you know, like diverse uh, shortlist. Um, so I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I just search for like female or like just like different backgrounds because um, when you see the same kind of people just going uh, like for the applications and stuff. So you have to push the agenda on the other side. And for me, as we've been mentioning, it's transparency because we want to uh, stick to a timeline. And then just last week I was like, yeah, we're going to do this, this and that. Don't worry. You'll hear back from me. And then um, Harry went, is like, oh, but I'm off two weeks. I was like, why you didn't tell me when we did the briefing? I specifically asked you. Uh, so I had to go around and all the kind of like, I know I told you this, but um, actually, you know, we have to put um, interviews on hold for two weeks. So I try to ask them also like, you know, like these are two ways. So if you have other um, interviews, if there's something I can do, I will try to push for another meeting. If you have to accept another offer, I totally, um, you know, like I always say the manager, like there's a risk that we're taking here. If, if there's no, nothing else that we can do uh, in the meantime. So finding a right balance, especially, you know, like there's some some weeks, everything goes well and everyone is available. And then I don't know, like there's always like a, maybe like September because everyone's coming back sort of like at the end of the year. And then now I was finding... I think I did like six or seven offers in like in, in five weeks. It's like, it's great. I was like, no one is going away because everyone has just come back. And now it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm off now. No, me too. Then I'm off now, me. So it's just like, you have these metrics and everything is so beautiful. And then at the end of the day, you just have to adapt and and you just try to do like your best to maintain these uh, timelines that you try to give. But um, at least you you keep the, the 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 candidates posted with everything that is happening. Every Friday, I try to make an effort. I was like, okay, where we are, or like what have I said? Like, have I collected feedback? This person has been like, what happened this week? And I try to make the, just a round table of like everyone standing by on the interviews and at least being like, hey, how you felt? How it was going? I like ask for feedback and just give an update on Fridays. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a nice, easy, useful rule. Just at the end of the week, just look back at all the candidates who have been involved in any kind of process and just check in, even if there's nothing to say, just check in. I think that, that's, a, that's a good thing. And, and, and Lauren, what do, you, what do you think around, I suppose, getting this balance right between being inclusive and fair, but also being human as well? Yeah, I think on the inclusive side, so for me, that's about removing barriers and also asking questions so that you can make sure your process caters to all kind of different types of people and their needs. Um, so that's everything from the, the language in your job advert to your recruitment process to even the job itself. You know, can we do it remotely? Can it um, be flexible hours? All that kind of stuff. And that hopefully allows you to make sure that whatever role it is, it's more inclusive. Um, in terms of keeping it fair, so um, I think that it's important for people to work out what are you testing for. So if we take, um, let's say, software engineer, for example, something I think we're all kind of working with a lot just now, um, one of the main things you're going to want to test for is technical ability. But the way that you test for that can still be done in different ways whilst keeping that core skill, something that's focused and something that's fair for all your candidates. So, you know, one engineer might prefer to do the technical test as a bit of pair programming, whereas another engineer might want to do it as, you know, a, a standalone technical challenge that they then do and, you know, themselves and submit after. 
um, if you look at maybe a softer skill like um, you know customer service you might have one candidate who wants to role play that and that's how they're going to perform best on that asset um, or you might have another candidate that says you know give it to me as a case study and let me go away and write it down so I think that to keep it fair you can absolutely test for the same thing but maybe personalize how you bring that out in different people yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And, and Carmen, so you know, we want to we want to treat everybody the same as we're talking about. You know, different people respond well to different experiences. You know, if we go back to what I was my example of giving people a bad experience uh, back in the day, I was all, I was constantly giving everyone the same experience and seeing who held up, and that, you know, that's not really a sustainable model or a fair one. But so, how do we? So, Carmen, question to you: So, how do we remain consistent yet adaptable? I think it's really important to, again, like set expectations. Um, it's, it's, it, that is crucial um, for me. Um, just set an expectation with the, with the candidates of what the job is, because I do agree that we can be you know, flexible and like adaptable, but at the same time, um, we have to be like realistic with what you know, the, the culture in the workplace where you work is. Um, I think like, you know, if you work in a place where, you know, you can work like remotely or um, you have, you know, like flexibility in terms of hours, that's great. Um, but if not, I wouldn't use that to, you know, like, I wouldn't use that like in when I talk to the candidates just because, you know, I can be flexible in the recruitment process. But then, you know, if we decide to hire them, they come in. And, you know, it's, that's not the reality. It's just like a waste of time, you know, from like every, for everyone. So I think, yes, absolutely. You know, just like, you know, try to be flexible, but at the same time, just set expectations because I do believe that, you know, like not everyone um, can work in, uh, you know, every company. There are like some companies that, you know, attract <clears throat> um, people with like different lifestyles. Um, and I think it's just like uh, you have to be like very, very, uh, you know, straightforward with what the company culture is, what the reality is. So, yes, make the process adaptable, but to an extent, because, again, if they do not perform to, you know, with that company, that specific company culture, I just don't think that's fair uh for for the for the candidates. But even for like the hiring managers who, you know, potentially and interviewing a lot of people that we do know that they're not going to be a fit for that specific company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely makes sense. And, and Lauren, there's there's obviously a degree of anxiety around interviewing and, and you know, great people can be great at their jobs, but not necessarily great interviews and, and vice versa, absolutely vice versa. Um, so how do we give all our candidates the platform to be the best and most authentic version of themselves? And also, I suppose, as a follow-on question to that is is what's the role of TA in that and what's the role of the hiring manager? Okay good question um so around the the anxiety and, and kind of removing that for people so two things firstly um give them as much information as physically possible you know who are they interviewing with uh, what are these people's job titles is it going to be zoom or teams the number of times I've had people really frazzled before an interview because they thought it was Zoom, it turned out it was Teams, they hadn't got that installed, they didn't know how to work it, just these really small things um, can set people off on the wrong foot. So I think make sure that TA, hopefully, are supplying that as much as possible. I think that feeds into the hiring manager side around, so what's the format going to be? TA should hopefully agree that with the hiring manager up, up front and then communicate that out to the candidate so that everyone knows what they're there to cover um, and there's ideally no surprises. Um, the second thing for me is allowing your candidate to voice any questions or concerns 
all the way through the process and give them space to maybe say, actually, you know, can an adjustment be made to that? I'm not the sort of person that, you know, is comfortable doing this type of uh, test or this situation. Are there any other options there for me? Um, and I think sometimes if you don't invite that from your candidate, they just won't ask because they're scared that, you know, it'll go against them or, or it's not possible. Um, so certainly something that we're looking at is building that into, you know, the very initial application stages. Is there anything that we can do to make this process better for you um, as you go through the recruitment or, in fact, you know, if you get the job? Um, so those would be my two points. Great points. Nuria, anything, what, what do you think around that? Yeah, I think our role is mostly, um, especially now I'm thinking just uh, when you just meet a candidate at the beginning, let's say for like the pre-screen or intro call, um, what I find like very um, anxious or nervous candidates are like, completely I'm like I'm your mate here I just need I, I need to get to know you I'm like you have to chill out because then if you don't give me anything I won't be able to put you in front of the the hiring manager so I think it's important for candidates they need to understand who their audience are so when you're speaking to HR you can allow yourself for a certain questions around you know like holidays or like benefits or stuff like that that you don't have you don't ask the, the hiring managers on the other way around sometimes they come they want to prove that they have really prepared the interview and they start asking me tons of very technical questions or which team they're going to be or which are like projects are going to work I'm like I mean I don't know I mean like sometimes I know I have more details because the manager shares so for candidates to really understand the like the the person they're like talking to that's important uh, which kind of questions you can do and how like relaxed you can be but um, for me, my role is to coach them. So I'll be like, you can be, we can be chill now. And then at the end of our call, I'll be like, listen, for the next steps, you know, like maybe you were too laid back or you're like, or you were too stressed. That's not going to get you anywhere. Um, so I'm going to be like, in, you're going to be meeting this, this, this and that. So that's how you should approach your next meetings just to like set them uh, on a path for success. Uh, then it's completely up to them. But um, um, I had it um, in a previous business that I worked, we could actually literally give them like the answers because it was very star driven, um, the question. So the it was politics of the companies. And we said like, you can actually give them the answers, like not the answers, the questions, so they can prepare them because we all know that behavioral questions can be very tricky and you can take. So um, although, you know, sometimes obviously that will change from hiring management, I'll be like, you know, like look at this, we'll share articles with them about like how to like, well respond. So we actually give them all the tools. If at the end of the day, we thought that the examples or the way they presented themselves was not, uh, you know, at the level they were expected, then, you know, but at least we 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 gave them all the tools that they needed to succeed our interviews. So that was not no secret. I think there's a lot of like interview guys for like a lot of business do, do this kind of stuff. So they really provide materials. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, candidates need to like prepare. I think there's um, a lot of business make a lot of effort in terms of employer brand to like give all of this information so they can actually go prepare. Um, and then candidates is no, I mean, it's it's easier to say obviously than to do. But if you're nervous and you don't say anything, how people are going to get to know you? So you have to talk also because I, I speak to a lot of candidates are like, yes, no answer. I'm like, you have to give me something. Sometimes I'm like, just you have to give me something because otherwise you're just going to get a rejection email in 24 hours. So, you know, like it, it's the two ways, but I really, for me, it's just really coaching, coaching and being very like, I am your partner here also in this. I want you to get the job because that means less work for me, you know, like, you know what I mean? So it's all like, we, I'm here like to be, you know, like their partner and, and to help them through this. I'm, I'm not their enemy at all. 
but hiring managers obviously that they have a completely different role and they have to evaluate the skill so they can be a little bit not harsh but yeah way more driven in terms of like the the answers that they need yeah i think i think it's really nice about the coaching side i think you're coaching uh the candidates through the process and you are you know, you're part of the business, but you are impartial because you haven't got the need yourself. You know, you've not got the pain point of not having that person in the business. So, of course, the hiring manager may be a bit more severe, but you can, also the severe is the wrong word, but a bit more, um, uh, a bit of a tougher interview. But, uh, you know, you can coach them through it. So I like that. Um, Lauren, what is the most essential thing that you or your business perhaps now or in the past have done to improve candidate experience? What's the What's the thing that stands out to you? For me, it's a mindset shift and I think this is something a lot of businesses have had to do in the last couple of years. So when I first started in recruitment 10 plus years ago, um, there was hundreds of candidates, right? You would bang out a job advert, you'd have 40 candidates overnight and it was pretty easy to fill most roles. These days, polar opposite, you know, candidates are scarce, skill set shortages across quite a lot of sectors. Um, the businesses have now had to, thankfully, um, really start treating their candidates with more respect, you know, honest communication, regular updates, their time and their skills are precious and they deserve that level of kind of stakeholder engagement. Um, so I think that's really key. And once you get into that mindset, it's much easier for your whole business to adapt their processes, to adapt how they speak to these people, um, to balance the conversation much more and realise that, you know, we need them as much as they might be interested in us. It is not a, a given that this pair Person, you know will jump at a job offer and is desperate for for work at your company um and that that shift is is makes makes a difference yeah the mindset shift uh, easy for me to say mindset shift really important i think for me any red a red flag for a company would be if the company still has at least externally the attitude that the candidate is lucky to join them um, and that is not going to fly now and i think you know you're right you know 10 years ago you put out an advert for anything you could probably do all right you know you're okay these days you can write some great content and great copy to get people in, in drawn in but as we all know most of the people we're getting into our companies are probably coming from outreaches in our point of our, from our part so i think the key i suppose in terms of that mindset shift mindset shift for me has been certainly just displaying the data around you know how difficult it is to find these people how few react developers with typescripts and and everything else they need um in the area that they want them to be with that many years experience so i think that's really really important Carmen, Carmen what, what what do you think um what, what's the what's one of the things that stands out to you that you've done really well to 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 improve the candidate experience yeah to me um it's two main things that we've done the first one um when uh, when I started working at Atom, we had for I think for like a couple of roles that so we like the recruitment process was quite lengthy. Um, so to me, just like you know, giving you know five tasks to someone is just like it's not like that is not good kind of experience because you have to consider that you know they're not just applying for your job, they're applying for other jobs as well, and plus they have to do you know their day job, you know they have family and private life, so. Uh, like shorten the, um, the the recruitment process. I think that that's what we've done really well. Um, at the same time, you know, in that recruitment process, you still have to gather all the information that you need in order to make um, a final decision. But like just like shorten it, just like make it like smarter. Um, that really helped. And then another thing um, that's kind of like in terms of feedback. Um, I don't know if this has happened to you uh, guys in the past, but um, what I normally found um, like in the past is that 
when a hiring manager wanted to reject someone, they wouldn't give me any feedback. I was just like, no, like no cultural fit. Like that is not good enough for me. Uh, most of the times, like talent acquisition people, we are not in the in the actual interviews so we don't know what went wrong and uh, i i do not want to give very vague uh, you know like uh, feedback to candidates you know we had someone stronger than you what does that mean how can you know this person use it so in the scorecards that now the um the hiring managers need to fill after the interview there is a um, one like the last bit there is like a feedback to give to the candidate so that I do not have to filter like they have to you know the hiring managers need to own that bit and they need to give me you know the specific reasons like xyz why this person was not um, the right fit for for that role and I found it very um, I think that's really 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 useful for hiring managers as well to actually put into right why that person was not the right the the right fit because it kind of like it makes you think of you know what are the the key things that you're looking for in a candidate and why that person you know was not there was not good enough and even for me when I go and approach you know um, other candidates or I have that initial conversation I can test the candidate towards those specific things that the hiring manager is looking for. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing your business is doing there. And I think it's, uh, you know, how many times have we had a message from a hiring manager saying it's a no for me, I'll provide feedback later, and you never get that feedback. So you're just kind of like, uh, what do I say here? So I spoke, Carmen, the next question on that, and how did you get, so it sounds like a great process. How did you get the buy-in from, or, or, you know, where did that come from? How did you get the buy-in from the hiring managers and the business on that? Because it has to be enforced, doesn't it? Um, yes and no, in the sense that I think that like at Atom, we are a very talent driven company. Um, and we know that in order to get the best talent, you have to give the best experience. Um, so just trying to like approach the hiring manager in the sense that this is not just hiring someone, this is employer branding as well. Um, mm is going to say, you know, like the candidates that they're great and they approach you is gonna like, they're gonna save so much time, you know, from me approaching maybe like the wrong candidates. So having that very, very strong employer branding, uh, that's something that like the hiring manager understood. And then the other thing um, is talent pool um, in the sense that if someone is not right for that specific job, that doesn't mean that they're not the right fit for the company. It's just, you know, that specific job was not you know the right fit for them but it's really important like it did happen in the past where we've interviewed someone you know for a job they were not the right fit for that role we were like very open about uh, you know the, the reasoning the feedback and then uh, um, they would you know another job comes out either I would approach them or they would approach me directly because you know they had such a great experience and it's so important we made a few hires because of that and I think, you know, like hiring uh, managers, uh, they really appreciate, you know, the, the, the culture of fit as well. Like, you know, it's super important, especially if you work in a startup. So having, you know, just making them realize how important it is uh, to treat candidates fairly. Um, and again, that, that this impact is going to impact our employer branding as well. I think that was uh, what 
made uh, you know like Harry Matt just realize I think like most of them they were like good from the beginning so I think that you know was quite lucky but I think it was especially with um, you know like in a small company you have like a lot of first time managers they you know they've never done this they don't know you know what good looks like and I think it's really good to have you know these kind of people because you can you know using what Nuria said but like you can coach them on what good looks like rather than maybe having a hiring manager that you know has worked for I don't know the past 15 years in a corporate and they do not you know they do not care I think you know you have to be good in like showing them what you know what good kind of experience can bring to the business but at the same time I do feel that you know sometimes you have to be lucky because I did work with hiring managers in the previous businesses that were like very corporate like it's a no you would ask them why and they would just not reply so I think it's a balance of you know like being in a lucky position I guess um and then uh, yeah like uh, giving them the um the the motivation uh, to you know to believe in uh, in kind of experience perfect thanks carmen and nuria anything to add on coaching the hiring managers well, I mean, as I think of, um, there's nothing new. I think we mentioned it last time we spoke um, that uh, I deliver, I think, m mostly in like every business I work, like um, interview training for hiring managers uh, that, that will go from like making making them aware that uh, the bias that they uh, might have, because we all do, um, you know, like how to structure, like very like the, covering the basics was how to structure uh, an interview, just how to welcome uh, a candidate if it's a video, is an office interview, you know, like making also like a, an intro about them. Um, and yeah, just making making sure that the this interviews obviously is about like getting a lot from the candidate, but it's also about selling the job, the project. A candidate is mostly apart from all the beautiful employer brand and you know like offsite and company barbecues that we have. Um, at the end of the day, a, a candidate is more likely to take a job because they want to work with a specific hiring manager because that person will bring a lot to their career or the project that they're going to get involved. So they have to make sure that they sell that. Um, so because that's going to what is going to play a key of like this person accepting the role or not, apart from like the beautiful benefits and all of that. Um, so, um, yeah, as, uh, as Carmen said, when I, I've been in, in startup for a long time, so a lot of people become managers that uh, they the like very quickly or they're quite young or they're just only being on the other end um so it's good to just make a little for most of the people is it comes quite instantly because we've all been on the candidate side um so it's it's a nice like um making a, a bit of like interview training is a nice reminder like good practice and and obviously ensuring that they don't do like um you know like forbidden questions and like very inappropriate questions and stuff like that, but uh, and just making them also aware of the bias because if you know you know you have a bias then you try to challenge it and then you try to involve maybe someone else who won't have this kind of bias. So that will be my bit for the for the hiring manager to to improve their employee uh, their employee experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, inappropriate questions. Uh, I, I've actually, I could do an episode on that. I think maybe I will on the most inappropriate questions I've heard hiring managers ask, particularly in my agency days. But I won't do that today. Um, software. So, Lauren, which software are we using to manage candidate experience? Now, I'm, I'm knee deep in all things AI right now. I mean, I'm, you know, looking at ChatGPT. I'm looking at all the sort of things out there which can make my life easier and make my life better and deliver. Better service to our clients and our candidates overall. But what in particular are you using to, to manage candidate experience and how do we get the most out of it? I'm definitely going to uh, take other people's guidance on this one, right? So, 
used lots of softwares, lots of different ATSs, lots of different um, ways to communicate and manage candidates. And I am still looking for one that I think is magical. Um, so I probably would rather hear from other people if you get any recommendations because I've definitely not found one yet that I think ticks all the boxes. No problem. Uh, Carmen? Yeah, we... Um... Hopefully I'm not going to, like we basically we use uh, an ATS and now we are switching to another ATS. There are like different reasons why we decided to go with the second one. Um, but what um, what we're trying to achieve with the, the second ATS that they were going with is uh, sending the service to candidates after like one week after either they've been rejected or they have been uh, um, offer the role and I think it's really really important to, un uh, to understand what went wrong and what went right as well from a candidate's perspective um, we used it um, we use like service in uh, uh, in a business that I that I used to work with I think like a couple of years ago and it was very very interesting because um, there was a specific like hiring manager that was really really hard to uh, to hire for them um, and then uh, after we sent, uh, like we started sending all the surveys, we realized that actually, again, there is no, to me, there is no like hard hire, um, but they they were not treating the candidates fairly and the candidates wouldn't tell us, like wouldn't, you know, when, when you reject someone or when you offer someone the role, they do not give you feedback. It's not something that, you know, the candidate does it. Um, but even if you like ask them like on an email, they just do not feel you know i think confident enough in doing it um but just like sending like an anonymous feedback um, like feedback form like survey form um that really um helped us um, extrapolate the data and understand what was not working with that specific hiring manager we went back to the hiring manager said this is what is not working in order for you know for us uh, to help you hire you need to change xyz not an easy conversation, but then uh, I think two weeks after we shared the feedback, we made a hire. So it's really, really important that the hiring manager, again, we cannot be there, you know, HR, TA cannot be there all the time. And candidates need to, we have to kind of like um, create a, that like a psychological safety with the candidates for them in order to be okay to share feedback with us. So again, with the ATS, it's not, we're like in the implementation phase. I'll share more detail with you, Lauren, uh, later. Um, but yeah, what we're trying to, um, what we really are trying to achieve is to gather um, candidates' feedback, like uh, with the with the service, and see what you know what we can improve um, in in our hiring process. Yeah, I think that the feedback surveys are really important, and I'd, I'd be so I've actually been yeah. So actually, in terms of um, an ATS, I found it a little bit tricky because I, I know if anyone's an expert on Workable, then let me know. But I've been I tried to set up surveys to come out on Workable, but it seems that they only I couldn't set it up per stage. It yeah. seemed to just go. I don't know if I'm an idiot with it or something, but it looked like it, anyone who applied to the job was getting a get as soon as they could send that um, sent their CV, they got an email saying how was the interview process. And I was like, no, no, that's not happened. <laughs> so if anyone knows about how to I can fix that, then let me know offline. But one thing I've done, so and this is really, uh, I suppose, is a value add for our clients to show that we're doing our part in delivering a good experience to candidates. Is I book as you all three of you know, I use Calendly to book all my meetings. So I always send it out to, to candidates to book the first stage interview. You then can set up workflows in in, in Calendly. Um, and I've put it, put together a type form survey, which then sends everyone who's who's had an 
in a meeting with me on Canonly, gets a type form survey an hour after, said, did you feel, in, you know, you got to be the best version of yourself? Was it an inclusive call, that kind of thing? And so I've bossed a few, bossed a few things together there, but it, it works well for what, what I'm trying to do. But um, does anyone off the top of the head know what I've done wrong with Workable there? Because I'd love to hear it. No, I, I mean, I do use Workable every day and I still can't help you with that. One thing that I will add, um, and this maybe doesn't always sit with ATSs, I've had very few ATSs that facilitate this, but um, in terms of using tech, one thing that I have found makes a massive difference is giving the candidates the ability to subscribe for job alerts. So you do all your, you know, your great content, your employer branding, all the, you know, they finally get to the careers page and then you look at the open vacancies and there isn't something that matches their skill set. For me, being able to capture that candidate's interest at that point instead of just losing them back into the void um, and giving them the option to subscribe for future job alerts so that when something does go live, they get an instant alert saying, you know, there's now a software engineering role available at this company. You were obviously keen before that makes a massive difference in terms of you know keeping those candidates engaged and kind of banking them down for future so sorry no idea about the surveys paul but i'll give you that no no that's a great point so sorry how do you how logistically how do you how do you get that out sorry how do you get that out so you can either some ats's will allow you to embed that on your careers page and then um, you can set it up so that an automatic email then goes out when a new job that fits that let's say department you know goes live it'll, it'll allow you to access those candidates or the other way, if your ATS doesn't allow you to do it, is um, you have to create basically like a like a form submission that's managed maybe through your CRM or some sort of spreadsheet if, if you're going back that far. Um, and then that allows you to, again, filter by candidate and send a push notification out when a job that fits that, that specialism goes live. Gotcha. Thank you, Lauren. Appreciate that. Nuria, anything to add on software at all? Uh, I've used I've used Workable. I've used uh, now I've done the transition from Greenhouse to Team Taylor, so I've used uh, many, and then also uh, from HARS that also like very nice that also like help improve that. Uh, yeah, I mean obviously we we can use at the end of the days how we use um, the ATS and the same like setting up like surveys or like uh, all the messages like uh, cool. I think now Team Taylor allows me to send like. Uh, SMS directly from so I have like I can send emails I can send so I mean as long as I think they're improving quite a lot I remember like back back in the days from using Workday to then Workable which was like a game changer and everyone you know like I think there's a lot of like uh, it's always like one of the fashionable going around um, now I took Team Taylor also it's fun for me to to get to know um, so I like it. it has nice color and you can work on the career website and you feel very autonomous and empowered as a TA so uh, um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's how you use it and how you decide to um, communicate and how use it the best ways possible. But um, yeah, I think there's so much that we can do and that we we don't manage to even like find out everything. Like as you said, like just setting up like for yeah. Sometimes I found myself for sure like do do what I ask you for God's sake. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think but uh, I I keep in touch. I mean, my my way is always like keeping in touch with the when I have like random needs and I'm like oh. If this work because I think all of them are quite adaptable and if a few of us not not complain but suggest something I think they they can make like changes very fast so I think uh, keeping a good relationship with your account manager um, I try to make you know especially now I have because I'm just doing it now but when I have a few ideas I try to have a call so I can you know like uh, escalate you know, like some stuff that I would like to have in, a, in an ideal work. And for example, in Team Taylor, they say they work in sprints of uh, six weeks. So if that falls into that spring, uh, into that spring, then it will be available on the release. And then this button will be, and then they send you also like um, 
notifications on when the, the new stuff is coming up live. Um, so that's a good thing. And also I know Workable is quite, a, it, it works quite a lot like that. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, look, I think uh, I'm conscious of our time here. So we're just coming up to the uh, top of the hour. So I think I'll just finish off with one quick question for everybody. Um, and it's my one thing question, which I like to ask people at the end of the interview. So my question to the panel would be, if you could give uh, other TA teams one piece of advice on how to improve their candidate experience, something that's really important to you, what would that be? And I'm going to pick on Carmen. Let's start with you. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'd like, I know that this is going to sound like lame, but like uh, treat every candidate as uh, you wish to be treated. Uh, just like remember what it meant to apply for a ridiculous amount of jobs and not hearing from them or just like being left in the middle of, a, of the recruitment process without, you know, like you're rejected, you don't know what went wrong, you don't know what went right. Um, I think literally just like give candidates, you know, like the respect um, that they, they deserve. I do understand that, you know, we work in very busy businesses and uh, it's not possible to give, you know, like every single candidate that they apply, you know, like a, a great feedback. I understand that. But, you know, back from uh, what I think Nuria or Lauren said, if they had the time to prep for an interview with us, um, especially with the hiring manager, what they actually, you know, like had to prep, we have the time to, you know, to give them feedback. Uh, that would be my uh, my piece of advice. Yeah, empathy. Think about what it was like when you were applying to jobs, what it was like when you didn't hear back. Absolutely. And I think it's easy to forget that when you're dealing with so many candidates all the time, it does become, there is an element of it becomes numbers of people. Remember, these are human beings behind these resumes. Absolutely. Love it, Carmen. Thank you. Lauren, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give everyone a, a top tip. So going back to that piece that we're saying when a, a hiring manager comes back and says, it's an no all from me and that's as good as feedback as you're going to get, I sometimes have written back to them, cool, no worries, please let the candidate know. And then obviously they get a fright because the last thing they want to do is have to deal with, with that part of the candidate um, comms. Um, but it forces them to be like, okay, right, she's right, I can't just give her that amount of feedback. So one of two things happens. Either they say, Right, okay, right, here's the full feedback and they give you enough to actually be able to go back in a meaningful way and give feedback or they realise, okay, I'm going to have to phone or email this candidate and I can't just write it's a no and again it forces them to start thinking about what are the reasons for that no and how to parcel that up in a constructive way. So that that sometimes works. Love it. Top tip. Fantastic. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, and Nuria, finally from you. <laughs> Yeah, I think, as I said before, I think it's good, uh, as we've been saying, uh, we deal with a lot of candidates and, yeah, at, at some point it just becomes also a number and it's overwhelming even for us. So I think, uh, uh, yeah, just going around, doing last rounds on Friday, just making sure that everyone receives a message. And and I, I'm I'm the first one that I, if I, I treat people like humans and I, you know, I'm a human myself, so sometimes I'm like, so sorry, miss, so sorry, I promise you, you know, like I said I was going to do something and I didn't. So sorry, still waiting for updates, you know, like if, I, if you haven't heard from me, is just but, but i'm here if you have any questions just like don't like i haven't forgot you but there's nothing i can say to you now and just like being present and just making a look like um, you know like this is still happening and ensuring that everyone receives just a quick update before before the weekend i know a lot of candidates come back to me like well this is not very nice good news before the weekend i'm like well do you rather like be i mean I, I try to be myself i'm like you know but sometimes i was like like the last hours of fridays i'm like well i mean it, it's bad hour i have to call everyone i just i just want to give feedback and, it's, and most of the time it's no because i only have one vacancy and usually a lot of candidates for it 
I'm like, do you want to spend all weekend just going around thinking that you might get the job or you at least you want to know and then, you know, like you can move on and keep in keep applying the rest of the weekend. So I try to obviously I'm biased from my own point of view. Um, so, yeah, my tip is well, like everyone deserves that. And even if we forget and even if like sometimes obviously we make mistakes, at least just try to even if it's too late, I try to always give um, just give like signs of life of what's going on. So everybody must do their bad, Alan, no matter how bad it feels. Gotcha with you. Um, thank you so much, speakers. It's been great. So everybody listening tomorrow, we've got a podcast dropping with Greg Savage, the godfather of agency recruitment. Uh, next Monday, we've got a webinar on workforce planning. And I know that it's going to be a good one because I asked quite a few people if they would speak and they didn't know how to do it. So that means there must be an audience for that, an appetite for it. Following week after that, we've got one on what people really want, both in terms of retention and attraction, so stay locked into talent and grow. But uh, Nuria, Carmen and Lauren, thank you so much for today. I hope you have a good rest of the week. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me. Cheers, Bye. Bye.